Kia ora and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Extra Trials Football Podcast, the home of alternative football. I've just finished watching the Swans beat Coventry City 1-0 in the Championship after a shocking result on the weekend. The Cooper Express is back on the tracks and going full steam ahead to the automatic places. I know a guy who can't wait to get steamed down his local boozer again. He's 117 days away from freedom and from a decent haircut. It's Lyle, the Perth Grew the Stewart. Hey, what's going on, Edzie? How's it going, buddy? Looking back on when we first met, I cannot escape and I cannot forget. <laughs> Boris, you're the one. You still turn me on. The pub is coming home again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome, mate. Awesome. Oh, but it, that's great start to the podcast, mate. Great start. How's it been, mate? What have you been up to for last month? Mate, I'll be honest with you. It's literally eat, sleep, work, repeat. And then, you know, I might watch the odd game of football on the weekend and then get the hunt with the Arsenal. And then that's it. Repeat again the next weekend. Um, not a lot's going on, mate. Lockdown life, 3.0, 4.0, 5.0. I've lost count now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but you've been given a date. It's uh, June the 21st, right? June, June the 21st is yeah. Independence Day. Um, <laughs> so that is when we can... We can go back to, to normality. Um, it's when obviously you know everything's meant to open back up again, and um, conveniently it happens to be uh, during the Euros. So already there's a lot of chat around getting back in the pub beer garden. Football's coming home. Yeah, yeah. Three lines on the shirt. Um, England's. Um, so yeah, it's all getting excitable. Ah, uh, you, you're playing that now already, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool, cool, cool. Bit early, is it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, we're hosting it, mate. So when you when you when you're part hosting it, of course you're going to get excited. Am I right in saying that England and Scotland have already played before that date? Yeah, so we're playing them on the on the 18th, I think it is uh, um, England Scotland. So it's strategic. Yeah. Um, so there'll be no carnage in the pub. Apparently, the beer gardens will be open, but um, I'm assuming what they'll try and do is minimise the damage. So I'm sure everywhere will be ticket sales and all of them sort of things, because otherwise it'll just be carnage, wouldn't it? Yeah. The thing is, though, um, this roadmap, I think that's what they call it over there. Um, it is the roadmap to heaven. Yes, it only applies to England right now. Um, so there's not. I don't think there's much well, news of what's happened in Scotland and Wales. So, well, would, would, would you let the jocks? Would you let the jocks down south of uh, Hadrian's Wall, mate? Yeah, of course, mate. Of course. <laughs> you know what? It's it's one of them. Despite whatever hate Nicola Sturgeon preaches, we we're mm. all one one country. We love the Scots, um, so we welcome down here with open arms. They can drink in our boozers. They can, um, you know, they can frequent our establishments. All are welcome. All are welcome. Just don't bring that lady down with you. She can stay up there, <laughs> locked up in a little castle. Stupid. <laughs> Stupid lady, stupid, <laughs> stupid lady. Oh, mate. So, if you give it a date, um, uh, are you you plan your trips, mate? What are, you, what are you doing first? Um, I haven't thought that far, but I mean, look, if I'm honest with you, there is talk of a homecoming, um, over the Arsenal for the last home game of the season against Brighton because they're you know, if things go well, uh, there could be 10,000 fans allowed in the ground, so yeah. um, could be a nice. Nice little meetup, mate, around Highbury. Um, so uh, yeah, that that could be a be a possibility. But it's it's small wins first. First, I need to get into a barber. I can worry about other stuff later. 
<laughs> Good thing you mentioned that, mate, because I was going to rip into you for that. <laughs> What's the story of this latest trim, mate? Let's have a look. You know what? It was one of them where the barnet was just out of control. I was, I, was, I, I couldn't, couldn't hack it, and I thought to myself, right, I'm gonna give myself a little, little, little skin fade. <laughs> Turn it around again. Oh, mate, that's definitely going on Instagram. That's horrendous. <laughs> Oh, desperate God. times calls for desperate measures. <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't think this was that bad compared to my early ones. My early lockdown, lockdown V1.0 cuts was a different level. It looked like yeah. I'd, <laughs> I'd escaped prison. Whereas this here, it's not awful. It's not awful. It's not great, but don't, it's, don't, don't get me wrong, but it's not lockdown V1.0 level. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely post that out, mate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, um, the Arsenal. How's it been Arsenal. the last few weeks for you, mate? Uh, it's sort of blur, mate. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like post, post, um, I don't know what you want to call it. It's, it all feels like this football season, mate, it's gone down the toilet. It's all rolling into one. I think people are losing interest. Um, no, there's no one's got any form. City's starting to run away with it now. They may as well finish the season where it, where it stands now, as far mm. as I'm concerned, because I think it's, 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 it's one of them where, um, you know, I think Liverpool falling off the train. Um, you know, interestingly, Chelsea are on a little bit of a climb after they sacked Frank. Um, yeah. But I, I think the table might actually stay as it is, as controversial as that as that sounds. Well, West Ham and fourth. You never know, mate. Stranger things have happened. Stranger <laughs> things have happened, haven't they? Do you know what I mean? Leeds coming back. Uh, Leeds coming back up. Yeah. Liverpool winning the league title. Stranger things have happened, mate. I'm telling you. Moist to men, eh? Moist to men, yeah. I'll tell you what, mate, it was unbelievable. <laughs> Do you remember at the start of the season when they played Tottenham? Um, at, I think it was at, at the new toilet bowl, and yeah. they were 3 0 down. I could see it already, mate. Do you know what I mean? At Stratford, outside the Olympic Stadium, they were already getting the gallows ready for Moyes. Do you know what I mean? They were getting ready to hung, draw, and quarter, my man. Do you know what I mean? He was about to get absolutely toasted. Um, and then they turned it around. And they drew through three, and ever since they've been on a on an absolute march. And I think you've just got to give the bloke credit because I thought he was down and out. Everyone thought he was down and out, and uh, they've turned it around. So you know, credit to Moisey. Well done, my friends. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, um, Chelsea huge, huge result last night in the Champions League. Yeah, and, um, yeah, Atletico yeah. Madrid away. Yeah, good, good little result. But I mean, it's one of them. You look at the team. You look at who they got. They they got some good players in there, haven't they? They're, they're not. A, they're not. A, they're not a rubbish outfit. They have got. You, you'd say that on paper they yeah. should be a top four side. When you look at the the caliber in the squad, you look at the quality they got in there, and um, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, I think Chelsea fans saying Frank's out of his. Well, some Chelsea fans are saying Frank was out of his depth. Others were saying that. You know, he should have been given more time. I mean, who knows? You have to be behind the club to know what's going on at the training ground. But, um, I mean, the results speak for itself, really, if I'm yeah. honest with you, um, unfortunately for Frank. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Can you see a shift in the Merseyside, mate? No, 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 no shift in the Merseyside. No, no, that's, no nonsense. I mean, until they've won, <laughs> you know, until they've won a couple of trophies, there's no shift anywhere. Um, so... No, definitely no shift in the Merseyside. Everton are on a good run, but they're still a long way off, mate. You look at their, their form this season, they've been hit and miss up and down. 
Um, you know, Liverpool were having an off season, but Liverpool come back. So no shift yeah. in the Merseyside. But if I was a if I was a toffee, I would uh, you know I, I would I would be be, be optimistic. Mate, right. great win at Anfield, first in twenty two years. I know, but you look at who, yes, yes, great win. You know, you can only play who you're up against, but I would not be getting carried away. You know, this is not the Liverpool side of last season nah, or the season nah. before. You know, very depleted squad. Henderson went off. I don't know if you watched the game. He went off in the first half, mate. Um, injured. You know, Liverpool are bare bones at the moment. They didn't strengthen in January, which I thought was a, a massive mistake for them because um, you've got to go back in the market if you if you like them. They needed a the centre-half. Um, so take nothing away from Everton. You can only play who's in front of you, but I would not be getting carried away if I was an Everton fan. I mean, Ancelotti, it just shows, mate, he's a serial winner. Serial winner. And look, Everton, they're moving into a new stadium too. They are, they are. It's, um, you know, probably much needed. Some Everton fans would say, and then others would say that it's sad to leave Goodison Park. I've been Goodison Park. It is an old ground, yeah. you know, restricted view and all of that. But it does have immense character as well. And, um, you know, you've got to weigh up the positives and negatives in terms of, A, where the club's trying to go, and B, if they think that's going to, going to help them get there so um yeah i wish them all the luck with that one um it's a great move moving to the docks because anyone who's been to liverpool i've done both grounds anfield and um and goodison is mm. the grounds are out in the middle of no not in the middle of nowhere but it's about four kilometers out of the city center it's a nightmare to get to both grounds whereas um uh where where they're moving to is right on the docks which you can roll straight if you're coming from out of town you roll straight into um into um i think it's liverpool liverpool lime street um and or Liverpool Central, I can't remember what it is, but you roll straight into town centre and you literally just stroll down to the docks. Or alternatively, I think they've got the intra-train network, which will get you into town. Not a problem. So great location. And um, yeah, could could be good things for Everton. I think Carlo and Colotti's definitely improved them, that's for sure. You look at the way they're playing now, very structured, disciplined, good quality of player in there as well. So, uh, you know, I'd be very optimistic for, for Everton fans, but I think they need to keep them. I think if he can stay... Mm. They'll continue to attract the calibre of players, but the risk is that if he goes, who'd you get in? Yeah, exactly. You just remind me of Goodison Park. So you went there, right, in the in the way end. Were you behind mm. those massive poles? No. So it's interesting. So Ever- Everton is what I'd almost call a a modern away end these days, where they like to stick the fans behind the ground. Uh, on the on the side along the sides, there's not many clubs now who stick the fans behind the goal. Or if they do stick you behind the goal, you're in like the lower tier, the upper tier, blah yeah. blah blah. Um, whereas um, whereas yeah, you know Everton is one of those where it's a bit of a shit away end actually because there's not much of a you, you come in there's not much of a concourse, and literally you've got the downstairs and you've got the upstairs. Um, and then the problem is you're on the side and the best way I can describe it is that you either lower tier up near the back, but the problem is you've got the beams which are in the way, but you'll see the entire pitch. Yeah. Or alternatively, the biggest problem is you'll be lower down the front, but then the problem is when you look to turn down that way, you can't see the ball as it goes towards the corner flag down the other side because people are all, everyone's standing up, so you lose, you lose part of the pitch. Um so yeah, it's not not a great ground to be in if you're you're an away fan. There's quite a few of them as well. Burnley's the same. Burnley's away end is not great when you're stuck. So Burnley, if you're stuck out to the right hand side, you've got like kind of you can kind of only see sort of like like that. So you miss half the pitch. Palace is the same because you've got these big low hanging beams, same as Everton. So 
Yeah, I know there are a few of those, but I do. Do you know what? I do like Goodison Park. Old school atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? Old school ground, proper old school, in amongst the streets. Um, and yeah, it's a good. Uh, you know, the the uh, the, uh, the Gladys Street end is a good atmosphere. Um, and yeah, I, I do. I like the old school grounds, whereas a lot of the new grounds are a bit soulless. <laughs> yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. Ah, uh, mate. Um, just watching the game this morning, I thought, ah, uh, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world than just to watch the game at the Liberty today. You know, there's been so many yeah. games this season where I think like, ah, oh, wish there was fans there, but particularly yeah, today, no. like it's a real nice sunny day in Auckland. You know, the palm trees outside, you know, everyone. You've got a nice tan. Is that a fake tan? And you've been actually out and look, look at you. Bloody hell, ah. look at you. I'm tanned up, mate. Right. tanning, mate, being on the sunbed. Mate, it's Six Nations season, mate. Got to look like Gavin Henson. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It's one of them where it's like, I often say that sometimes, you know, when you're watching your football team down down the pub beforehand, just chatting absolute nonsense mm. with the mates, getting the pints in, rolling to the grounds, you know. You can, and if you get that magical result, especially for the big games, you, all of life's problems seem to go away. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, for that sort of, whether it's the day or the couple of days which precede it afterwards, there's, there's no better feeling really, is there? The Swans are going pretty well in the league. I mean... It's a bit frustrating, man. I've got to be honest with you. I'm getting a bit nervous. <laughs> well, I think I think it's I think it's one of those where the way it stands at the moment, Norwich look like they're going to run away with it at the top. Yeah. I think I think it's a typical championship season where you've got it gets to the start. You get to that stage of the season where the person in first place runs away with it. Then it's that battle for seconds, and you've got a couple of teams in the mix, and then invariably you know that. You know, someone will drop off and then it'll just become one and two ironed on, probably with five games to go or something like that. And then it's just, um, you know, looking at playoffs for the rest of the team. If I was a Swansea fan, I think I wouldn't be too nervous because um, I think you've got enough consistency to carry you across the line. I think the, the Huddersfield game was a shocker, but you yeah. need to get that out of the system sometimes. Um, and I think you're winning ugly, which is the most <laughs> important thing to do. Um so we we shall see we shall see i mean it's one of them where these next two games for you i think will really define if you can come up or not because if you if you win the next two games six point gap um between you and you and the next and then if you can keep the form going then it'll sort your problems will sort of solve themselves because your teams around you drop points and before you know it you've got a nice little buffer yeah i mean like brentford they've started to surprisingly lose games so I think today was their first win uh, four games I think it was uh, Watford, yeah. Watford are on a bit of a run right now uh, Reading you know they Reading just the classic Reading they win like five games in a row and they'll start losing five games in a row it's that type of thing but then the scam mate I'm a bit worried about them they're in the playoffs now they haven't lost Mick McCarthy undefeated yeah, I think one of the last yeah. six games now on the trot I mean I don't think they'll catch yeah. up to us but their team, I, I don't want to play them in the playoffs. I, I think it's one of them. I, don't, I think it's one of them where you, you just don't want to create problems for yourself. So I think Swansea just needs to focus on it one game at a time, one game at a time. Forget about who's around them. Mm. You know, every game's a cup final. Um, and I think you'll be okay. The problem is when you start looking around you, you can start to get a bit dizzy at the top. Um, so I think as long as Swansea keep doing what they're doing, which is, you know, grinding out these one nilers, two nilers, um, two ones. 
can't, I can't see any problems for them. I think where they'll get unstuck is if they try and overcomplicate it too much. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Just stick to what's works. Well, what's your thoughts on like the games in hand, mate? So we've got two games in hand, right? Now, we don't play them games until like just before the international window, right? So we have to play more games than anyone else in that period of time. Like, do you see the games in hand as a positive thing? Yes, undoubtedly, undoubtedly a positive thing because you look at most teams who've won the league or, or done well. I think of, um, do you remember when Liverpool copped it up in um, 2014, 15, oh, yeah. I think it was, and you had City who come out from, they had games in hand. They managed, I'm pretty sure it was City that season, wasn't it? Yeah, well, City, the one 14-15, who've come from behind, won it. I remember um, even the season, the time before when City won the league, um, the first time when they they done the, you know, they broke the drought with, yeah. you know, Aguero. They had games in hand then. Um, I remember when Arsenal done it in 2002, we had games in hand as well. Same in 98. 98, we had like two or three games in hand. And then, you know, we just kept winning them. We kept winning them. We kept winning them. Now, I think games in hand is... is definitely a good thing because what happens as well and I know it's different at the moment is that when it comes time to those games in hand they become like almost cup final games and the fans are up for it you know you've got everyone's up for it everyone's buzzing you know got that that atmosphere whether it's in the ground or the away end or or whatever it is and I think everyone really rallies around it whereas what you don't want is the other way around where you're constantly looking over your shoulder thinking oh no I've got to win every game and if I lose a game I'm, I'm in trouble yeah yeah, I think that's like I hear people say, you know, we'd rather have the points in the bag than the games in hand. But I mean, as long as we're keeping within a three point buffer with the rivals and we win our games in hand or get a draw here and there. It's, it's, it's difficult you know? to it's difficult to be a front runner. And a lot of the times teams get chased down. Mm. You know, remember, Liverpool got chased down by City um, two years ago, probably the most famous season we've ever seen. <laughs> Outside of the Arsenal Invincibles, of course, because no one goes a season unbeaten. Shout out to the Invincibles, 49 <laughs> undefeated. But, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I had to get that in there. Plug, plug for the, plug for the boys. Um, but it's one of them where you know it was you know both teams. I'm pretty sure broke the hundred point barrier or something stupid like that. Like, that C- season. City did, but Liverpool missed out. Yeah, well, they were that yeah. close, weren't they? Ninety odd points or something. It yeah. was just a stupid, stupid total for for, for both teams and. Um, you looked at it and you sort of thought to yourself, wow, I mean, that is just bare unlucky from Liverpool, right? Do you know what I mean? But I always say it's difficult to go out and be the front runner. Um, you know, teams will, you know, to be the front runner, you know, you've got to have the perfect season, you know, and I, I know that sounds stupid, but when you've got that kind of competition running in behind you, it's just so difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um Last words on the championship. Um, I'm not sure if you heard of the news, mate, but it looks like Thierry Henry is going to be the manager Correct. of Bournemouth, Bournemouth, who fucking Bournemouth. lost to the scum this morning. <laughs> God, they need all the help they can get, the Cherries, because it's not looking good, mate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's one of them with Thierry where, um, you know, he's been around the block a bit now. Um, he's He's gone out of Canada where I think he was coaching. It was Montreal, I yeah. think. Montreal yeah. Impacts, That's right, I think yeah. it is. He was at Monaco, didn't quite work for him. What he needs to do now is he needs to have two years, three years maybe at a club, just get his head down and just get coaching. Um, I think it's one of them where the, the danger of an of a ex-player who played at a great standard, who then goes into management at a good level, mm. 
is that sometimes you don't get to build those foundational skills and you can come a bit unstuck. And you saw it with Lampard yeah. in the sense that the biggest problem with Lampard is that he didn't have the managerial experience behind him and he didn't have the team around him as well. He had never experienced a downturn like Chelsea had when they'd obviously dropped off a little bit. So he didn't know, he didn't have the tools in his locker to be able to deal with that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I, I think Thierry just needs to learn his trade at Bournemouth um, two, three years and then, you know, see where he goes. Uh, look at other Arsenal or former players as well, like Vieira, you know, He's had some experience abroad, but he's never, never a mention for the Arsenal job. I, I don't see, I don't see Henri as a manager. He was mm. never, he was a rubbish captain as a player. You know, awful captain for us. You know, that was the beginning of the end when he took the armband over from from Vieira. He was never a leader. He was, he, he led by his performances, not by his, um, not by you know the fact that he's going to tell people what they should or shouldn't do. Yeah. So I don't know. The verdict's out for me on him as a manager if he's got what it takes. I don't know if he's that kind of guy as well. I don't know if he's got that cutthroat nature about him, really, if I'm brutally honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I say that in the most loving way, because the bloke <laughs> was an absolute god over the Arsenal, um, you know, growing up. You know, I'm, I, I, you know, I remember him coming through and, you know, what a player he was, but I didn't really, you know, at the time, you had, you know, Seaman, Adams, Bold, uh, Parler, Keown, mm. Vieira, um, even players like Burkamp. You know, Freddie Lundberg even, I, I, Sol Campbell, um, you know, Ashley Cole, I probably would have put them all over Thierry in terms of captaincy. Colo Torre, maybe Gilberto Silva. So, you know, yeah, I wish him all the best, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. He's the sort of person I think would be a great number two, not a good number one. I think he's got all the technical attributes. He'd be brilliant on the training grounds, mm. you know, working with the players, you know, moving them around and all of that, working with the strikers, all of that stuff. But I'm not sure he's cut out to be number one. Yeah, fair enough, mate, fair enough. Um, let's go back to the Premier League. So, the top four, well, let's forget about City because they've already won the league. But um, you've got, uh, who have we got there now? We've got Leicester. So, you've got City who are 10 points clear at the top. Um, and then you've got United who are, United and Leicester who are both 10 points behind, equal games. And then you've got West Ham who are basically, so you've got City 59 points, United and Leicester both on 49 points. West Ham is on 45 points. And then you've got the, the trading pack. So the trading pack, you've got Chelsea, you've got Liverpool, and you've got Everton. Forget the rest. The rest are probably a bit far. Um, although you could argue and say Villa's got games in hand, but they <laughs> sort of they're starting to peter out a little bit. Well, they're one man team, aren't they, Villa? Yeah, yeah, well, you could say, you know. Uh, if Barkley, Watkins, and Grealish don't fire, then you know they're gonna have a yeah. quiet day. Going down though, I mean, West Brom are dead, aren't they? Sheffield are dead. The one thing I like about Fulham is they try and play football. And I've always said, if you try and play football, you've got a great chance of staying in the league. Um, and I think that's the one thing you've got to give Fulham credit for. And they've done it in the Championship as well. I watched the play. I watched. Um, I watched the play. I watched them in the playoffs. Um, and I watched them. Uh, so semi-final, final, yeah. um, semi-final when they played against. I want to say. It was, it was, did they, no, did, so, yeah, no, no, Ful Ful no, who, who, who did Brent, so Ful Fulham played in the final, yeah, they beat, they played they, against, so Brent, they, yes, yeah, so they, no, they played the Brentford in the final, was yeah, it was Brentford in the, no, Brentford in the final, so they beat, final. they beat the scum away from home, I think they lost, 
at Craven College, but doing enough on on the goals. Yeah. Aggregate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, the, I, final, I the final that. was like, if you remember the final, um, uh, the Brentford keeper, Raya, just came out and it was a clanger, mate. Like, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I watched the game. I was in. I was on holiday in Bournemouth and I watched the game in the pub in the boozers. <laughs> Pal of mine, um, I, I watched it, um, and then there was a mad, mad scuffle in the pub That's right, between yeah. a uh, between a bloody uh, some Fulham fans and a and a Brentford fan. Or something. I can't remember what it was. It was like something kicked it off. I think the Fulham fans were going nuts. And to be fair, Fulham fans are not really that kind of you know aggro. They're pretty gentle, docile people. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going away from that, um, I think Newcastle are in trouble. Yeah, but I think. They might just swing it because of Wilson and Carroll up top. I would be surprised if they were to go down with those two. But all it takes for them, see, the problem is, and I'm flip flopping a bit here. You look at that. You look at so Brighton, Newcastle are always one game away from disaster. You could probably lump Burnley in there as well. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but it's it's a weird season because. What's funny is Southampton are only eight points above the drop zone. And not too long ago, they were bloody top of the pops yeah. pre-Christmas. Do you know what I mean? In what was it, October or November or or whatever it is. But it, football, it's funny because this season, I think it's, it's one of those really weird seasons where, like I said, you know, you're only two or three games, you know, two or three wins away from charging up the table, looking at, you know, top four, whatever it is. Or you're, alternatively, you're a couple of wins away from, from disaster. Um, so, you know, look... I, if I had to put my money on it, I think the bottom three probably stays as it is. Reckon I I think um this is funny though, because like Big Sam, he doesn't get any criticism. I think it, it must be in English then. But he'll probably walk by the time that it's mathematically impossible for West Brom to stay up. Yeah, but you can't criticize the bloke Eddie. He inherited a basket case. That's not right. <laughs> you, you know, the, the guys are numpty, but as much as he's a numpty. You can't mug him off like that. I mean, there was if he kept that team up, that's a that's the impossible job, really. You got to go back to the Great Escape, Kevin Campbell, blah blah blah, <laughs> two thousand and four five. Um, you know, Zoltan Gira days. Nah, I don't think that's <laughs> I don't think that's quite fair, my friend. Oh come on, mate! He can, he, he brings in a mass. Look, the thing is, remember his reputation? He's never been relegated before. It's going to happen Yeah, now. yeah, but what I'm saying, though, is they were dead and buried. They were dead and buried when he come in, and they're dead and buried now, so <laughs> no chance. I'd love to see Newcastle go down. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. I just look at the team, and I think there's a little bit too... There's just too much quality in now that I can't see them going down. But I could be wrong. The thing is, though, I wish there was about three or... Actually, no, four or five teams that could get relegated, because Brighton don't offer much, do they? Like, no one's going to well, miss them. No one's going to miss. That. No one's going to miss Burnley if they got relegated. Yeah, Burnley's a shit place to go as well. I've been to Burnley. <laughs> I've, been to, I've been to both of those. Brighton's a nice away day because you're down by the sea and all of that. It's all right, but Burnley is just—it's a pain in the ass to get to because it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm. The fans are a bit—you know—they want to—they want to—they want they are at you. Um, so yeah, I mean, no one would miss Burnley, but they have become a bit of a part of the furniture. Sean Dyche and his. You know, Motley Crew. <laughs> so. The thing is, though, that's like the same with like Eddie Howe, for example. Like, as soon as he left, or as soon as things were getting bad, they got relegated. Now, when Dice eventually leaves Burnley, I mean, it'd be difficult to see him go anywhere else because who would want Dice? But if he does go, 
in the middle of the season, then, you know, they've struggled without him. But, I mean, go back to... Do you know what it reminds yeah. me of? And do you know what? Sorry, this reminds me of Owen Coyle at Bolton many, many moons yeah, ago. Yeah, that's right, yeah. He was almost like the Dutch 1.0. Probably, yeah, Jack's <laughs> uncle, eh? <laughs> long, yeah, long-lost relative. <laughs> so I should hear him up about that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it reminds me is, um, of, you know, Charlton with Alan Kirbishley. You know, yeah, good good few seasons with Charlton, and as soon as the fans wanted more, that's where all the bad stuff happened. You know I mean, sometimes oh, you, sometimes you don't realise what you have, and like you you think of like, I mean, everyone well, wants Stoke, every, look at Stokey and put yeah, Paulus. Once exactly. Paulus got out of his, you know, where are they now? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it couldn't have happened to a nicer football club. But, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Going back to Brighton, mate. Um, so have you been to the new stadium? Yeah, I'm at, yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. the funny thing is, so I, I haven't been to the new stadium, and I've, yeah. I've been past it. I got done over. So we had a pre-COVID, right? We we Brighton away lined up, so uh, we had oh. tickets. Uh, we had a weekend away planned down there, and uh, you know, we literally, I'm not being funny. So it's on the. We'd sorted all our accommodation out. This is like the Thursday or whatever it was. We're going down there. You know, we'd had all the tickets for a while. We said, yeah, sod it. Let's make a weekend of it. It was it was perfect. Saturday, three o'clock. You know, you get you get this perfect away day. You get down there early. You drop the bags in the hotel, straight on the lash, into the grounds, and then the rest is a blur, really. <laughs> um, but then because of COVID, we, we missed it, mate. And you know what's funny is it's almost, it's nearly a year, actually, since the last game I went to, which was early March, which was West Ham wow. at home, which was the last Arsenal home game, which was with... With fans, a whole year, yeah, nearly a wow. year, and um, it's funny because at the time, you know, we obviously had, you know, it was, it was a shame because, you know, we actually had a bit to look forward to because I had tick- so we had Brighton away which got cancelled, but then we had t- I had tickets for the court final up at Sheffield United at Bramall Bramall Lane, <laughs> which was a Sunday kickoff, like early kickoff, one o'clock or whatever it was, yeah. it was like six thousand fans or whatever it was, big away allocation. We're all up for that, and then yeah, so we missed out on the run to Wembley, um, which was which was a shame. Would have been good to get to the cup final, but obviously the, these these things happen. Mate, you just like refreshed a great memory in my mind. Um... So I can't remember what year it was, um, but it's the year that we drew Sheffield United in the FA Cup, and I went to Bramall Lane. This is when they were Premier League with Warnock. Yeah. So I uh, we're going. That's like that, maybe two thousand and six round five there, six. seven. Yeah, I think yeah. it was third or fourth round, and uh, we beat them. What did we beat them by? I think it was three nil or three one. Mm. Leon Britton scored, and I think Tommy Butler scored two goals, but we. If you look at Bramble Lane, like we we filled out their whole away end. Like usually for Premier League, there's like a top tier gets it, but for the FA Cup, you had bottom tier and top. You tier. get fifteen. You get fifteen percent oh. allocation. Yeah, mate, it was a brilliant way. To, and we're a League One at the time. Yeah, it was a I huge love shock. So I, I love the cup ones. I love the cup games because you get fifteen percent allocation. It's brilliant and great atmosphere as well. Um, so I've done a few cup away games, and um, you can't you can't beat it because especially if you get a club who's got if you get a club who's got like a 40,000 seat stadium, you end up with 40,000 seat in stadium plus, you end up with like a seven, 6,000 allocation, which is yeah, brilliant. Yeah. You're lucky you didn't go to the with Dean, mate. That's an awful stadium. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard. <laughs> it was, a, Although, it was problem... an athletics track, right? Which yeah, is like, yeah, yeah. like a mile away from the pitch. Like I was talking shit about Nanning, right? With the, the athletics track there. Yeah. But 
this is a whole different level. This is like worse than Baku, mate. Yeah, like, yeah. But the problem with the new ground <laughs> is it's in the middle of nowhere. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, one yeah. of them where it's like it's actually out in the sticks. There's nothing now. Yeah, yeah. And I can't stand those football. You know the football grounds where there's literally nothing around the grounds. Mm. Like there's no pubs. There's nothing. You've got to try and get out of there, and you just think to yourself, bloody hell. Yeah. Ah, oh, mate. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about actually was this whole, you know, um, Black Lives Matter campaign and a lot of racism lately in the game. A lot of black players um, are just getting a lot of abuse, dogs abuse, mate, on social media. It's every, literally every game now. There's a player that gets abuse. And do you think that this whole Black Lives Matter thing, where players take the knee before the games, do you think that's helped anything or was it actually detrimented the whole campaign do you mean to kick out racism i don't think you can say it's detrimented it i don't think that's that's fair at all i think the problem is that there are a lot of sick people out there i mean that's that's what you've got to say first and foremost so what possesses someone to racially abuse someone over twitter or instagram or facebook or what racially what what motivates someone to give someone death threats because of the color of their skin yeah right so i don't think you can i don't think you can blame the taking of the knee but i think the one thing i would say is that it's obvious that the message of taking the knee is not working. It's, it's, you know, people have become desensitized to it. So I would stop it straight away. Mm. So if it was me, I would, I would stop it tomorrow. Um, racism in football is, is, is still a massive problem. I think, um, you know, you, you see it, especially when England play away in certain countries and I won't name those countries cause I don't want to, you know, call out you know, people in particular, but you know, England will play away in certain countries. They'll get raped. You know, the black players get racially abused by the fans and those associations will just get, you know, FIFA gives them a slap on the wrist, £20,000 fine, maybe a game ban behind closed doors and and, and that's it. So mm. football doesn't take racism seriously. But what I would say is I think that from what I'm seeing, racism in the grounds is declined massively. Um, but it's in a new form, which is online, which is social media, because people can get away with it, you see. So... You know, if you go in the ground, if you racially abuse someone, you're not going to get away with it in this day and age, whereas on online, you, you definitely can. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's something which is which is so important. I think, you know, Black Lives Matter is 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 an absolute important thing which which needs to get out there. I think the organisation um, has got massive problems. So I, I don't support the organisation. Things such as defunding the police and, you know, yeah. trying to, you know, rip up the education system. I mean, I, I disagree with that because, you know, you can't change your history. You can only learn from it. You know, it's yeah. not it's not possible. Um, so I've got massive issues with the organisation. I think they are a little bit sort of, you know, radical in terms of what they're trying mm. to achieve. But in terms of the concepts, when you look at the history in terms of, you know, black people and, you know, the discrimination they face, I think it's, it's absolutely right. Um, but I think until the big social media companies get serious about it, Facebook, Twitter... Etc. Etc. I just don't think you can do anything about it. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that the Premier League—they've uh, changed um, the badges, haven't they? It's no room for racism now, isn't that? Mm. That's the badge. So uh, they've—they've they've distanced themselves away from the Black Lives Matter then. But and, and rightly so, and right, rightly so, because the big danger of Black Lives Matter is it talk is it it falls into the camp of identity politics, um, which is which is not ideal because. You know, you can't 
lump all black people together by the color of their skin that's a silly way of doing it you know um you know you 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 know in an ideal world you would judge someone you know as martin luther king jr used to say you judge people by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin Mm. and i understand why people want to go down the identity politics route because it's a it's a safe 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 space basically if you're saying well okay we want to make sure that everyone who's you know black people blah blah you know not discriminate against all of, all of these sort of things which which is understandable but then the problem is you then start defining people by their skin color which i yeah. think is fundamentally wrong you know I, I would never look at someone and define them by their color of their skin their religion their gender their political views i, I define them on on who they are as, as a person so you know i'm not trying to you know blow a bonfire on on people which you know are big believers in identity politics but it doesn't fix the problem you know no. you just end up with with the same structural issues you, you had before and really it's just about moving to a society where we judge people like i said by the content of their character rather mm. than their their skin color so you judge people on their merits and actions rather than 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 what they look like but what i would say is i think there's a lot of negative talk there is a lot of negative talk and i think there needs to be acknowledgement around a lot of the positives and i think you look at football, for example, and you look at the number of footballers in this country who are black, um, for example, and it's it's fantastic. You know, it's you know, I don't. I'll have a quick look now in terms of looking for the numbers, but I know that you know black footballers. There's you know, it's it's a massive percentage of the total number of, of English footballers, um, for sure, yeah. which is something which is something I think needs to be be celebrated. Um, well, look at your national team, mate. Like, look at the under-20s. I remember the recent under-20 squad. Yeah. Majority black players. Look at the, the kids breaking through to the first team, black yeah. players. So there's a lot There's a lot out there. Um, but yeah. I, I think yeah. it's, it comes down to the institution, though, because it's like you want so managers, you, you want people at the top end of the FA to be representative of that, of that demographic. And that's not, that's not the case. It's all about the players well, and that. that. A hundred percent. So as you've seen this, so recently they're saying a, a, a recent England squads, 11 out of 30 players were from a Bain background, which is fantastic. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, Bain people were probably what, what, 10%, 15% of the British population. So well mm. and truly above. And you look at the amazing amount of black footballers, you know, people who I used to idolise growing up, Ian Wright, Sol Campbell, Ashley Cole, um, you know, Jermaine Defoe, um, Dion Dublin, Emil Heskey, um, you know, you, the list, the list goes on. There's so many people which you can you can talk around in terms of black black mm. footballers, you know, Les Les Ferdinand, Andy Cole, um, you know, you can you, you, there is literally so many, and then you can come come to the modern modern era as well. Um I, I think it's actually got to the stage now where you don't even look at footballers by the colour of their skin, if I'm brutally honest with you. Yeah. I, I, I don't I, I certainly don't think so so anymore. I think you just look at them as their as as footballers. Um but yes there's a massive structural issue at the FA um which is difficult because it, it obviously goes back to a broader issue in society which is around black people in positions of leadership. Um, and I think that's not a football issue, it's a broader issue. So you look at the UK, for example, um, I don't think there's one black CEO in the FTSE 500, um, mm. for example. So I don't think, so So it's a structural issue from a football perspective, but I think it's a more broader representation of black people in positions of leadership in, in, in English or British society, um, if, if that makes sense. Um, so and I think that's, that's what you're seeing play out, is mm. it's representative of the corporate, and the you know uh, you know political culture in, in this country. 
So currently, do Arsenal, do the, the Arsenal players do the, the knee before games? We do. Yeah, yeah, we do. Of course we do. And, and look, the one thing I would say is I think, you know, every Arsenal fan, you know, we have got a proud history of being one of the most multicultural clubs in the country. And we are one of the you know initial clubs which really did take on, you know, bringing black players through from an academy level. When you look at the 80s, when you look at Paul Davies, um, you look at, you know, the late Rocky Rowcastle, God bless his soul. You look at Mickey Thomas, um, you know, Kevin Campbell. Um, you know, there's you know, there's others who, who played for the club as well at the time. You know, you had Gus Caesar. Um, you also had Viv Anderson, Ricey come along later. Um, and then you look at our fan base, we've got one of the most multicultural fan bases um, in, in the UK. Um, and you know, black people, um, people of all sorts of ethnic minorities, whether it be you know, you know, Irish, whether it be Asian, have been going to the Arsenal for decades, you know, long, long time. So, yes, we do take the knee, but I don't think we're a club which has had massive problems with racism. We've had more issues of anti-Semitism more than anything else when we play Tottenham, for example. Yeah, yeah. Some of the chants around you know, Tottenham fans. So, you know, we probably have more issues of anti-Semitism than we would with, with racism, if I'm being brutally honest yeah. with you. Okay, mate. Interesting, mate. Um, was, was your thoughts on clubs then, like Brentford, QPR? They, they don't do it anymore. I don't blame them. Don't blame them. I think it's got to the stage now where it's like actions speak louder than words. You know, the players have, have obviously said, look, you know, we don't stand for this. Um, I think that's clear. Um, so, you know, it's up to the to the big corporations. It's up to, you know, uh, politics and everyone like that to try and take this on and do something about it. I mean, yeah. I think footballers have become an easy target because they're the people who are, A, they represent these communities quite well because if you look at the black community in the UK, for example, very well represented in sport and, and the arts and entertainment, not very well represented in, in say, the business world, um, as, as I mentioned earlier. Mm. So, you know, obviously for them, um, you know, the, the sports is, 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 is a great outlet and arts and entertainment and all these sort of things. But I think now it's really up to the, you know, the politicians and, and the leaders and, you know, the business world to try and try and do something about this uh, yeah which which is difficult because you know i think that's you know it, it really is is challenging because i think you've got to ask yourself questions how much do, do people want to change yeah i mean it's a lot to think about i mean i i think um it, well it's more focused now online because there's no fans at the grounds, right? So when the fans eventually do come back to the grounds, like how do you how do you know if anything's anything's changed at all? Because this thing's been going on since Jan, uh, sorry, June of last year, right? That's when mm. the whole movement started. So when will we know that this has been effective or not? It's, it's, the problem is it's not a short term thing, it's so you can't fix this issue overnight. And I think this is where movements like Black Lives Matter are fairly disingenuous. So I would argue and say that football doesn't have an issue with racism from a barriers to entry perspective. So um, you look at the number of black black kids who are coming yeah. through academies right at the moment. There's obviously not a barrier to entries issue, otherwise they wouldn't be coming through. Yeah. Where football has got an issue is racism directed at players and, and managerial staff through social media. Maybe you get the odd case in the ground, but I don't. I think that's on the decline. But where, like you said, I think football's also got the issue, uh, a structural issue of racism. Mm. I don't see how you, uh, in terms of managers and all those sort of things, I don't see how you fix that overnight. It's a, it's, a, it's got to be a gradual thing. Well, you know, you want to try and get 
black ex-black players or you know people who are you know black who are interested in management onto your coaching staff mm. now you can't just say we want to have 10 percent of our managers who are black it's never going to work it has to happen yeah. organically yeah. so what that means is there needs to be a, a pathway which is obviously fair and equitable by which you know black black players or black coaches um can can go onto that coaching pathway if that makes sense and if there is not the same the same look at it it's the same why is it we're able to get so many black footballers who come through and play in the premier league championship league one league two it's because there's a pathway for them it's obvious that if you're a black person who wants to get into management there's not a pathway for you whereas all they need to do is try and create the pathway and it will result it's as simple as that Hmm. all right um Let's talk about uh, European football. I mean, you're still playing European football. <laughs> I mean, um, you could be coming down to Swansea next year anyway. That'll, be, that'll count as European football for the Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, well, mate, the way the political the way the political unions going in this country, mate, I'm not. I would not surprise me if Scotland and Wales and all of these are all foreign countries before you know it, mate. That's, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, European football's fizzling along for us. I mean, that's probably the the right word. I don't think we're really... Um, Is it Benfica, really, right? Um, Benfica? Yes, Benfica, um, who we played. How, how are they there? Like, By the way, like you look at the, the teams in this round in the Europa League, you think, bloody hell, there's some massive... Well, clubs in, the, clubs in the past, anyway, that have all played Champions League football at one point in time. Benfica? Yeah, yeah. Napoli's in there as well. Um, AC Milan, um, Roma... Um, PSV, Eindhoven, Ooh. Manchester United, <laughs> um, you know, um, Club Bruges in, in Belgium. Um, yeah, Bayer Leverkusen, um, Ajax, wow, yeah, Ajax. Yeah. And well. yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But then I think as well, like, the domestic scene in a lot of these leagues has been shaken up a little bit as well so like spain and italy and these sort of places um so yeah i mean the old the old dynasties no longer exist in in some places <laughs> oh yeah I mean, um look so, at ac yeah. milan for example ac milan's been like rubbish for a long time now they used well, to be like milan. they used to be like an instant they're like an institution mate growing up in the champions league do you know what i mean they've they've won it a stupid amount of times haven't they yeah i mean well both Milan's have been rubbish, haven't they, for a while? But they're yeah. they're, they're back on the rise now, though. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, you got ben, Benfica tomorrow morning, yeah? We do. We've got Benfica. Um, it's really odd though because all the games have been played in like Italy and Greece, I think, <laughs> yeah. um, which doesn't make any sense because the thing about European football at the moment, which I'm kind of getting a bit upset about, is that it's all about money, mate. Do you know what I mean? Mm. We're not doing it because of the fact that our yeah, we want to play football. It's because the clubs need the money, um, and and that's it. It's um, yeah. yeah, it's a bit sad actually. Do you not think so? What's your thoughts on um, like I know the English clubs are banned uh, from going to well most countries anyway. So why is there an away leg um, for these ties? Why can't it just be one single leg for these ties? Because it makes no sense. And also another question here: the way goals. <laughs> At a neutral yeah, venue, like, <laughs> they're playing. Both teams are playing away from their home. Anyway, what they should have done is they should have not. <laughs> if you, they should have knocked the whole thing on the head. Yeah. They should have chinned the European football up. They should have brought club football forwards. End of season, just done a mini tournament 
all in one location. They all bloody quarantine in one location, like the Indian Premier League did in oh, Dubai. Yeah, IPL Dubai. did. Yeah. Fine, they should have all just set, sent them all to bloody one location. Have it out. Have it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be calling it, mate. For the fucking New Zealand government, Cindy, you're useless. Like, they should have tried bringing the Champions League here, mate. The Euros down here. The, the Lions tour. Jimmy, the Six Nations, bring it to New Zealand. Yeah, you're probably a bit too conservative, aren't you, in terms of your, yeah. um, your strategy there? I haven't got the stadiums as well, though. So that's the thing. Yeah, you're, you're, a lot of your stadiums are quite provincial. That's probably a good word. <laughs> of, <laughs> the El Clasico and Buddy Fangaray. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's old stadium. Well, what's odd is you've never, I'm surprised you've never built like a fit for purpose rectangular stadium. Um, nah, it's yeah, always bowls, mate. It's, it's, the problem is, mate, it's cricket. They have to make stadiums suitable for cricket and rugby, which doesn't make sense. No, yeah, but what I mean though is it's like you don't have a Twickenham equivalent or like Millennium Stadium equivalent, which is odd because you're such a rugby mad country. Like you would have thought they would have, you know, and, and do you know what's even odder? And so this is how much of a visionary I am. You would have thought they would have, because of how big the All Blacks are, they, you would have thought that they would have built a massive stadium in the middle of the country where you play all your games. Well, so. <laughs> now Hamilton's not the middle of the, the oh, well, country. Like, well, if you look at the, the islands, it's Wellington. I suppose. But you see what I'm saying? Like you would have had a massive stadium in the middle of the country where everyone can get to, to watch the games. It, it would never fill out, mate. And that they people think, right, it's a misconception, right? Rugby yeah, is the biggest sport when they're winning. When the World, oh, Cup, when the World Cup's a, on. But uh, in terms of the fan base, there's... But not, that's, that's because of the Australian-New Zealand mentality, I think, yeah. where they only back a winning team. yeah. And they want their teams to play a certain style of football. Whereas you look at Northern Hemisphere, people, and it's different as well, because if you think about it, right, I was talking to my mates about this. The culture of sport is different in the Northern Hemisphere, where people go for the day out. You don't really go with the expectation for your team to win, you know. So, you know, you go out, literally go to the pub, uh, Short talk nonsense, you go to the game, whatever, sing a few songs and all that stuff. If your team win, it's a bonus. Whereas in the Australian New Zealand culture, when it comes to sport, they don't have that fan culture. They turn up with the sole thing of their team winning that game. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas, you know, I think, and maybe that's just because they've been super successful. Whereas I know being an England fan in that football and cricket, you just go for like, you know, day out, support your team. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You have, have a sing song, have a laugh and all of that. Whereas... There's not, there's not really any of that. Do you know what I mean? And it kind of manifests itself in the ground, like where it's like you go watch rugby in Australia, New Zealand. It's not really an atmosphere. No. You know, they are expecting to be, and so rather than being the twelfth man, they are expecting the team to entertain them. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas it's just a different mentality in the Northern Hemisphere, and it's it's hard to explain it unless you've lived in both countries. Yeah, I, you, you touch on that um, entertaining. So. <sighs> I mean, growing up, I mean, watching Wales and rugby or football wasn't great. Watching Swansea wasn't great. So you're not you're not going to that event for entertainment. You're going there just to support your team and watch football. You know what I mean? Whereas over here, they want to be entertained and win. You can't, you know, unless you're supporting bloody uh, Man City or bloody Barcelona mm. at the peak Barcelona, you're not going to get entertainment and winning. Do you know what I mean? It's impossible. No, no, agreed, agreed. It's, and it's, it, it, it's why I think I've never understood why people support like thousands of different sport teams. 
Yeah. Because for me, I should, I've never like been able to get into like NBA or NFL or whatever it is because it just don't mean anything to me. Do you know what Same I mean? Here. Like, Same here. Like, what, what, like I'm watching a team I've no connection with. I don't really like it or whatever it is. Just think to yourself, like, yeah, it's great. I watch it, but I'm not going to get emotionally invested in it. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, mate, I'm a massive, massive hockey fan, mate. When I'm betting on that, <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. It's probably only, it's probably, it's probably like seven a.m. in the morning, and it's the only thing you can probably put a bet on. <laughs> hmm. Okay, you know the thing with the thing with like sport is that you've got to support your team in the good side, in the good times and the bad times, and you know, not everyone's going to get to watch their team be successful. I mean, that's just the way sport goes. Mm. You know, you're going to have a winner. And you're gonna have a loser, and you know if you do happen to have some good days along the way, then then happy days because you know you just can't you can't win everything all the time. It just that, like you said, it doesn't work, does it? Yeah. Qu- quickly, mate, before we head off. Um, so Arsenal, Benfica. Do you? It's a stupid question, but do you want Arsenal to progress at all in this tournament, or do you want to like throw everything at the league and try and finish as high as you can? Leeds gone for us. I think that's you, you got to be. You got to be on the on the homegrown to uh, to think we can do something in the league, right? You got to be on the good stuff. Like um, a top six, mate. No chance, no chance. No? We, okay. we haven't got the form, Eddie. Form breeds form, right? You you've seen this this season, right? Form breeds form. Mm. Teams are where they are, roughly speaking, on merit, right? We've we're not going to unless you sign a player who's going to inject something. We're not going to get in the top. So that's gone and we're out of the cup as well so for me you may as well forget the league and throw everything at the Europa yeah I think the biggest problem is we need a season outside of Europe and that's not palatable to the club because it's going to hit us in the pocket but yeah. we just it's difficult because we just can't crack Europe for whatever reason um, whether that be Champions League or Europa League we just can't crack it Um and so I would rather us just, instead of wasting time, energy and efforts, go out in the semi-final or the quarter-final, mm. I'd rather we just focus on the league and, and, and get the Bayer basics right. We, need to spend, we just need to spend time out on the training ground and you can tell that you can't do that when you're playing, um, when you're playing Thursday, Saturday and then sometimes Tuesday in the Cup. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see what you mean, mate. It's a difficult situation because you can't, you can't afford not to be playing in the Europa League or the Champions League. You have to be. Um, but at the same time, like look at other clubs like last year who benefit from not playing in Europe. You know, yeah, Leicester. Uh, look at you know, yeah, look at exactly. Yeah, you know, you can't you can't run before you can walk. We we, we just we haven't got the fundamental basics right. We don't know how to play together as a team. We look disjointed, and um, no, we we need to go back to basics. I would forget European football. It's just hard because I think the problem is we think we're better than we are. The reality is we're a mid-table club. Hmm. But saying that, mate, you probably get to the final. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> and then have some heartbreak again, like, like Baku hey, or whatever it was. Arsenal Spurs final, would you take it? I don't know if my heart could take that, mate. If I'm honest with you, that would be just the most nerve-wracking it would ninety be, minutes it? of your life, really. The, the prize is the prize. You know, fuck the the Champions League and the cup. Like the prize is to stop them winning a trophy for the first time. Yeah, it was a little bit like what that when we played Chelsea in the FA Cup last season because it's like I really dislike Chelsea for a number of reasons, <laughs> and it's one of them where it was like 
I kind of just wanted to beat them. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't that bothered <laughs> about the score. So I was like, let's just beat them. And then for the 90 minutes, once you're one up, you're like, right, we need to hold on to this. Um, so yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, it's not, they're not, I don't think, I mean, they're not enjoyable games when you play your close rivals in the cups, are they? It's more like nervousness for like 90 minutes. Whereas when you play a team, you haven't quite, it's like, if you lose, you're like, oh, it's not, not the yeah. best, but you can, you can take it, you can take it, even though, you know, when you go down to like Birmingham City in the Carling Cup final, you think to yourself, what the hell was going on here? Like life is just not, life is not good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when you, when you get done, like we done it in Baku, was it 4-1? Like that's just soul destroying, mate, honestly, when you go down to a London club 4-1 in the Europa League final, that's just, you know, it's a disaster. Do you know anyone that went out there? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know loads of, I know loads of gooners, mate. He went out wow. for it. We, we brought more. I, I would have gone. The problem was, I literally, I'd got back in Australia. I was back in Australia, like, because I'd gone out to England for my uncle's sixtieth. Because I was at the semi-final. I was at the semi-final against Valencia at home yeah. when we beat them three-one. We scored two late goals. Um, uh, I, I would have gone to the final, but I couldn't do it with work because I literally taken three weeks leave come back and then you can't, you know, I would have had to throw my job in. Like, um, yeah, I would have gone, but I knew loads of goodies went. Like a lot of the guys I know who go home and away, mate, they were there. The problem was it fucked them over because you've had a long season traveling home and away. And then it was a grand return to get out to Baku flights. Yeah. Um, which is mad when you look at it, like that's not right. Is it? Cause we brought more than Chelsea. Chelsea brought like 2000 fans. We took like six, 7,000 over, which is a mammoth effort when you think about it. Like a grand to get out there. Uh, also visas as well. They they were hard. Yeah, to yeah. So I know, I know, I know, I know. Like loads of people which went out for it. Like um, I know, like personally, good friends of mine. I have like four or five pals who are like close friends who went out for it. Um, and yeah, like that is a that is a mammoth effort. Mm. Waste of time. You never man. know. You never know. <laughs> Waste of money. Yeah, with Poland this year, if Boris lets me out of the country and we make yeah. it to the final, maybe I'll try and get over to Poland. Oh, where is it, mate? Where is it? Poland's, Poland's in Poland. I don't know where in Poland. Or Krakow or where is it? I'm not sure where in Poland it is, but I'll find out. I'll get there by boat, train, car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, well, we'll leave you there. Looks like things are, you know, looking looking that for you anyway. Whether it's not get the Arsenal, but leave some freedom. You get some freedom too. You know too. what? As long as Tottenham or Man United don't win the league, it's all right. I, I can deal with that. Or Chelsea. So uh, I can live with Man. But do you know what? It's one of them where it's like, Man City winning the league for me, I don't care. Yeah. I literally don't care. I've got no no connection or feeling for Man City. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So if Man City win the league, it's a good result. Yeah. Whenever it's Chelsea or United, you think to yourself, hmm. Liverpool, I didn't mind. It was a shame because you lost the banter with the Liverpool fans, but you, you think I'd rather them win it than bloody Tottenham or uh, United or Chelsea. So, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But Arsenal's got to do something, mate. I'm feeling like I'm going to be resigned to the history channel soon, mate. You know, we're looking <laughs> 20 years, mate. It's not that far, you know, 17 years ago since we won the league, mate. It feels like yesterday, but, you know, we've got to do something about it, mate. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to be an old man just talking about the old days and people think, what's this bloke going on about? <laughs> uh, well, uh, March is looking pretty good, but I can't wait for March. It's one of my favourite months of the year, not just because of my birthday, but uh, international windows coming up as well. 
qualifiers for the World Cup start, mate. The road to Qatar starts uh, for yeah, Wales. Well, it's and, almost, uh, this, this, this could be you could be ushering in a new golden era of Welsh football, whatever that means. But um, yeah, it could be could be Euros, could be World Cup, Premier League, so, mate. The Swans are back. Swans are back. That just imagine that. That would be unbelievable, wouldn't it? A little yeah. run of obviously Wales in the Euros. Then Swansea back in the Premier League, and then off to Qatar in whatever year that is, twenty two. Twenty two, yeah. Next, oh, next year, mate. Jeez. Yeah, I'm going to go out there for that one. I reckon. Oh, I don't think I will. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I can leave anytime I want. The thing is, Cindy won't let me in, and Mrs. won't let me back in the country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you, you happen to have that problem, but um, yeah, I might try. And, I might try and get out there for a game or two. I wouldn't go too mad, but it's one of, like I wouldn't, you know, bother. But I would, I wouldn't mind just popping over there. Nah, bit of you, sun. What you do is go of... to go to Dubai, then pop over to Qatar, watch the game, go back to Dubai, party hard there. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is, I wouldn't mind watching a game or two, but I wouldn't go mad for it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Where it's like. Um, that USA Mexico one, I'd happily go over there for that's, a month. That's, do you know what I mean? One, mate. That's the one we're yeah, definitely qualified yeah. for that one. Yeah, yeah, no in England's <laughs> like they won't. No in England's like they won't bloody qualify. Do you know what I mean? That's the, can you just imagine it? Yeah, you can see it now, can't yeah. you? Problem is for the Welsh fans based in Wales, but the non-Strakeford, they're still being locked down, mate. In twenty twenty six. I know, I know. You, you and mate, you and the Scots ain't got no chance of getting out. Do you know what I mean? It's like you got no. What you got to try and do? It'd be like the. Uh, it's like the great. It's like the great escape. You got to try and jump over the wall, get into England, and try and get a flight out of there, mate. Isn't it? So, uh, yeah, no, it's not not looking great. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, but yeah, mate, Euros, it's coming. Euros. Let's see what happens, mate. Let's see what England do. I'm not going to get with England. It's like I don't get excited because that's just dumb. But Let's see what Southgate can do. Actually, every time we'll have you on now until the Euros, give me a prediction. Will England win it? Possibly. That's your one this time. We'll, we'll hear Poss- from you next time. Poss- possibly. Would I put money on it? No. But given the year which we've last, had over the last year, I've, I've come to the conclusion, mate, nothing's impossible at the moment. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, you know, do you know what would be ironic, right? And this would, this would go down as a meme in history is if England win the Euros, but there's no fans in Wembley. Can you just imagine that? That would be the absolute meme. That'd be the meme of the century. <laughs> Football came home to an empty stadium. Oh, mate, can you, ima- can you imagine it? Like, it's just... But I can... I, I wouldn't put it past it. I would not put it past it. But I just don't have faith in Southgate and his tactics. That's my problem. I just... I, he's a nice geezer. Yeah. Nice geezer. Straight up, lovely bloke. But um, I don't... I don't think we played a, you know, our football's not quite that sexy, to be fair. We ain't playing the, you know, uh, you know, the Samba, Samba Brazilian style or the French, the French flair or the Spanish tiki-taka. I think we're a little bit too much, um, you know, um, fish and chips or, um, you know, you could say <laughs> baked beans on toast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, mate, we better, better head off. I've got some work to do. But uh, cheers again, mate, for coming on again. And um, yeah, we'll be in touch soon, okay? All right, thank you for listening to another episode of the Extra Trials Football Podcast, the home of alternative football. And uh, we'll be back again very soon. All right, have a good one. Share the bros! <laughs> Kaki Dano.